Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome back, welcome back to Star Talk. This week we're on Mars with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, Maeve Higgins, funniest woman here. <laughs> oh, oh. That includes well, all the here? women. That includes the all the women in the I audience. Think the Earth yeah. okay, is pretty right. good. All the women on the panel won. <laughs> uh, Jim Green, uh, D- Division of Planetary Science at the Science Mission Directorate at NASA, Thank you. Thank you. and our beloved Eugene uh, Merman. Everybody. So we've been talking about Mars. Andy, uh, why did you? How did you pick that place on Mars? Uh, Acidalia Planitia. Uh, yeah, Acidalia, Acid Plain. Uh, how yeah. did you pick that place? Uh, I want. I, I had the plot line. Hey, more spoilers. He goes to pick up the Pathfinder, and um, so I wanted the to the path, path, Pathfinder's the name of another spacecraft. It's Back spacecraft in 1997. <laughs> but. Um, I, w- I wanted him, that was a plot point I wanted right from the beginning, is that he goes and recovers Pathfinder to communicate. Was he looking for life? Is that why they were there? Oh, well, the, the excuse I gave for why they were in Acidelli Planitia. The motivation. Okay. okay. The, the reason I wrote it that way was I wanted him to be a good distance away, but an achievable distance, so there'd be this adventure of getting there and getting back. So I wanted him to be about 800 kilometers away from Pathfinder. So I kind of drew a circle around Pathfinder and said, where's a cool place for him to be? I chose Acidelia Planitia because of at the time, before Curiosity went and ruined everything, a lot of people believed that Acidalia Planitia was the, uh, an alluvial plain where water had flowed. And so I, I decided the reason they chose that landing site was that it would have many, many layers of geological history all in one place and they could sample them all. Just like it turns out it was just the bottom of the ocean. That's right. It's the bottom so of the ancient ocean it, on it's Mars. It's the bottom of, the ancient, of an ancient mm-hmm. ocean. So it would still be cool, but there's much better places to go if you're going to have a manned mission. Now, sp- but it was Aries 3. I mean, the, all the good spots had already been taken, right? <laughs> the, lands, the beautiful landscapes that like, I saw in the movie, is that what it looks like? like yeah, red, uh, Ridley did a really great job because yeah. we gave him enormous amount of imaging and things yeah. that he could look at. And they ran around the world. Uh, you know, Art Max, uh, production designer, who, who is also up for Academy Award, um, went out and they, they found locations. And they went to the Where? desert in Jordan. Where in Jordan. In Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a desert called Wadi Rum in Jordan. Oh, and that's yeah. all the exterior shots. Ridley Scott loves practical effects. Like the sandstorm. You'd think that'd be just a bunch of people walking around in a CGI Sandstorm, right? New. Big, big sound studio, way the hell larger than this entire auditorium, and a big pile of sand and some really powerful fans. (laughs) Those poor actors. Those actors were falling over and stuff because they were being blown over. So wow. Yeah, it worked. I thought that was a set. I can't think that was the place, Jordan. Uh, Yeah. Beautiful. On Earth. It's the same uh, place they filmed uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Ah, wow. love that doc. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
there is a strong argument that uh, our robots, our rovers are doing a great job, but wouldn't it be cool to send people there, right? That would be fantastic because they would make discoveries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so here's what I want to know. We find the weeping craters, right? Yeah. Can curiosity just drive over to one? No, uh, but we are looking for what perhaps... What do you say no? <laughs> Why not? Let's Why not? get into it. All right, so uh, he's got to be nice. He's got to be nice because he works for NASA and he's got to be all diplomatic. But I can go ahead and say I'm not a big fan of planetary protection. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So two things, everybody, if just to get hit. Planetary defense is where we keep the Earth from getting hit with an asteroid. Or I a am a fan of that. Yeah, well, that's, there is no evidence, no evidence that the ancient dinosaurs uh, had a space program. Almost certainly did not. Almost certainly. Oh, yeah. well, not that even the T-Rexes? <laughs> they had stubby little arms. They, they couldn't... They couldn't yeah. <laughs> At least that's the speculation. But so anyway, that's a serious matter. But then there's this other expression, which is very important, which is planetary protection, which is essentially the prime directive. Can't violate. Yeah, it is. Run, yeah. directed. And so uh, that is where humans show up and contaminate the surface with our microbes and barf. And so, so we're not going to Mars because we're afraid of giving it germs? Uh, well, what we are afraid of is taking our germs with it, bringing back samples and say, oh, we found Mars germs. So we don't want to do that. So planetary protection also... Hold on, we do want to find Mars germs. Oh, we do we want to do that. Find, yeah. But we Mars don't want to farm our own germs. That's that we right. Because Why we don't took you use there. gloves? <laughs> so Problem Eugene, solved. Eugene. Well, they cook. Eugene, you've hit the nail on the head. They do. Space they gloves. They have <laughs> space gloves and space solvents that kill everything and space ovens that kill even they more do. stuff. We do. certainly crazy dead. We do. But we cannot send the Curiosity rover over there, which has been on the surface of freaking Mars for three years, irradiated with ultraviolet of death and night and hot and cold, and there's some concern that there's something still alive on the outside of it. Well, this is a really good point. Uh, maybe we can, in the sense that we are indeed looking at whatever microbial human life we took with Curiosity, whether it might still be alive or not. And if How we do can, we do that? Well, we do that through computer programming. Oh. You know, we hire or Andy's trust firm me, and <laughs> bring him back on the so job. So you're saying there's an app for that? <laughs> <laughs> there might be. Soon. There's so many. But, it, but you know, we do that analysis and then we've got to be able to demonstrate what, um, what, what kind of what we call bio burden, what kind of material might be uh, on the rover that, uh, that if it's gone or it's at such a low level, then we might be able to creek over to uh, what would be a weeping area. See, and, and so take you're a afraid good look that something would, get, would go from the curiosity to. Correct. Correct. And then so, a bunch of birds would form, or what? The, like, the, what's the, the yeah, practical fear? The, the concern <laughs> is that we will basically infect Mars with Earth life and displace the local population with Earth microbes. Well, that would be the, the end of the world, evil, uh, mad person scenario. But right. more likely is you think you found something that you really haven't. Right. right? That, I mean, we really want to find life beyond Earth. So that is the significance of water, right? That is the significance of water. Liquid we believe water firmly on the surface. that mean, at least life that we deal. know has to have water. And so now that we're finding how rich Mars is with actual water, uh, that really bodes well for us giving it a shot to find that, find these places where water exists. Because everywhere on Earth there's water. Everywhere <laughs> there's something alive. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're related. We've been following the water concept of how we do Mars research now for well over 10 years and it's really served us quite well. So, so but we're going to have to design something pretty special to be able to do that. And we'll have to bake it and we'll have to do a variety of things to protect to it. To make it super sterile. Super sterile so, and then go there and find be, indigenous light. What would be the significance of finding life on Mars? Ah, well, would, would you know, prove Buddhism is true. <laughs> Well, oh, only, only if that was you that went there. <laughs> well, validate David Bowie's eternal question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. No, I think it would change the course of your history. It would, absolutely. I think everybody would think differently about what it means to be a living thing in the cosmos. If I can offer my opinion on that, it's um, there. 
if we found actual life on Mars or fossilized evidence of past life on Mars, we would then very quickly discover one of two things. Either one, Mars was, well, three things, I guess. Either one, Mars was infected by Earth in, by some natural process in the past, like maybe material from Earth got kicked up by an asteroid That's collision. That's not so likely. More likely is. More likely is Earth got infected by Mars, meaning that like life managed to travel through natural means from Mars to Earth. That's the kind of panspermia theory in that there was, if life evolved in one place once in our solar system, but managed to infect two planets. We're the Martians we're looking for. We are. <laughs> In that scenario, if there is yeah. a good chance. Yeah. If you look around this room, there is a good chance that what you're looking at is a bunch of alien invaders. Um, and then the third. Are you talking possible. about me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's right. With, with alien of extraordinary yeah. ability visas. Yes. Well, the the rust-colored car. Yes. Yeah. Um, but and then the other opportunity is equally exciting, possibly more exciting, is that if life independently evolved That's on it. Mars, do, 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 if do, do, that. If that were the case, then that would mean, okay, there, we have a sample of two planets here, both of which had, like, have or had liquid water on them. Both of them developed life. This implies, does not prove, but implies that life is almost an inevitability Every location. That's why it's everywhere. Everywhere all yeah. over so the that's universe. That's why we want to so explore. Be, that would be a, a huge, huge discovery. So, yeah, would be. right on. Yeah. So, Jim, one of the traditional supposed evidences of life would be hmm. natural gas, methane. Methane, yeah. And we're finding that now on Mars, too. You know, many years ago, from ground-based telescopes, we, we looked through the methane that's here on Earth in our atmosphere, through that, to Mars. So we made a very difficult measurement and discovered that Mars has vents of methane. And vents. Uh, yeah, the, how the, big is a vent of methane? Well, uh, it just weeps out. I don't know, it could be as big as this auditorium. I, we really don't know. But there is a season uh, for which the, the methane really takes off. Fart and it's season. in the summer. It's in the summer. <laughs> So me methane can be generated abiotically. You, you know, you can have. How would you make natural methane without living things? Ah, well, you need water. You need the right minerals, and you need a heat source. What's the right mineral? Uh, olivine. Charcoal. No, no, olivine. no. Yeah, the rock. The, yeah, it's in the rock. It's in what the is rock. it? Olivine. It's in the rock. It's greenish under a microscope. Uh, it has veins. Yeah, it has veins, sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, what's in Tell olivine? us the truth, diplomat. <laughs> what's in olivine? It's carbon. What's in if that makes you feel good, Bill, we'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. What's, in, what's in olivine? It's carbon. It's carbon, yeah. you got to have a source of the carbon. you got to grab the carbon. Why didn't you call it carbon the first time, though? Well, because <laughs> it's not elemental carbon. Ah! Uh -huh. <laughs> That's why he called it olivine. No, it's bound up in a mineral. <laughs> Right, and so, um, it, you know, that's abiotic, but biology, of course, is, uh, is really a potential one. We see these methane blooms, so to speak, during the summer months from our telescopes. Very controversial. When all the little Mars cows are out to graze. Well, well that's the thing. We, we, we now know there's no Mars cows. Cause are they but maybe underwater Mars cows? <laughs> well, they have to be, you know, when, when, uh, the, the, uh, when, it, when the climate and everything is severe, you go underground. You get into the rocks. Down to the glacier. Par pardon? Down to the glacier. Down to the glacier. Well, well into the glacier, like the right. Yeah. Sure. But, but, uh, so you're saying there's possibility abiotic is no, no bio, no life. No life. But it's also generated. possible that there's some Mars probes oozing yeah, natural right. gas. So Curiosity has measured that methane. So now there's no doubt Mars does indeed. Uh, How do we measure methane from four billion kilometers away or whatever? Well, we do with Curiosity. Curiosity sitting the on rover, the surface. It's a, it's a Mini Cooper. Yeah, it's on a Mini Mars. Cooper. It brings in that atmosphere and just dissects it and looks at everything in it. And uh, it, during certain times of the year, it, it uses sees its the methane. Space nose. Yeah, it sniffs real well. well. It's spec it's you a know, few parts right? per billion it can uh, it can get. Oh, that's very good. Jim, yeah. is it, is it, a, is it a spectrometer? 
<laughs> is it a spectrometer or a spectroscopy or which yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, they actually measure the isotopes. Yeah. Okay. So they really handle the individual molecules uh, by shining a laser through it, or with, by sh squirting it at high speed in a vacuum or something. So they have. So you have to kill us. <laughs> no, we don't have to kill you. So, uh, <laughs> Sounds like you maybe do. Uh, no murder today. <laughs> today. But uh, the methane that's leaking, uh, you know, we've done the analysis and it looks like it's coming right through the soils where Curiosity is sitting. They measure it during the day and we know the winds during the day in Mount Sharp around where Curiosity is sitting all moves away from the crater. So there's no way that the methane that's being generated at other locations can come down to Curiosity. So it has to be leaking right through the ground. So if we really uh, uh, follow the methane, uh, you know, we might be heating our habs with a source of methane underground. It's another, another example of uh, how you'd use the environment. Uh, Follow so, the methane. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. And so or, uh, along that how, line. How, how often does that come up that you say that? Eight times so far. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're stuck in an elevator. The, uh, uh, along that line, uh, things have come from Mars to the Earth. Yeah, Mars absolutely. gets hit with oh, something, yeah. right? And they... Like ALH 84001. Yeah. So what happens, of course, is big impacts and Mars what's, gravity. What's, what meteorites are you talking about? ALH 84001. Uh, Allen Hills. Allen Hills right. is a place in the Antarctic. And every summer, we go down to the Antarctic, get in snowmobiles, and we go across the ice sheet. Have you done this for fun? No, not yet. Eugene? Uh, no, but it sounds like you're describing G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, when they had to get one of the parts of that death ray thing. That, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> so it, here's the thing. When you find a rock on the ice... It's black. Earth. You see it. I mean, it I just mean there's is no right other there. way to get there. The only yeah. way for the rock to get there is from the sky. That's right. right. So, well, it, you know, it falls in, gets embedded in the ice, and the ice moves, and then some of that stuff just gets uncovered over time. And so, as, you know, we'll, we'll gather 600 to 800 uh, rocks, you know, meteorites now, and bring them back and analyze them. And in that set, over the years, we found um, uh, about 100 meteorites from Mars. How do we know they're from Mars? Ah, so when you look at the gas... Ah. <laughs> Sergatites. <laughs> yeah, so when you look at the gas that's trapped that inside... That is some word comedy right there. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you uh, look at the gas that's that trapped inside they're called the Sergatites. They're called Sergatites. That's not a joke. They are. They had a technical name, yeah. uh, you know, when they were first found, and then when we determined that they were from Mars, we call them Mars meteorites now. Yeah. <laughs> but first they were called sugar, sugar types. Sugar types. Sugar types. You know when Mel Gibson was like arrested not, for calling them? Yeah, that it's was not different. sugar tits. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. sugar tights. Yeah. So but what happened was they found... They were analyzing it back before they knew that they were from Mars. They were analyzing meteors that they'd found all over the world. And they said, like, most meteors have this kind of chemical composition. A smaller percentage of them have this other chemical composition. That we don't know where. And we don't know why they're different. And then there's this teeny tiny percent of them that have this yet more unique one. They found out that the, the big ones come from the asteroid belt, the, the bulk of them. Then the, the smaller set come from the moon. That got, you know, things hit the moon, it gets knocked off and comes here. And they're like, but we don't know where this is. And for years they speculated on what the Sugartite main body was. They're like, we don't know. Something out there is a single thing that all of these little things Was the original from. one named after a place? It was a, doc it was a scientist, I think, who I isolated it. Yeah, Johnny right. Sugar. Johnny Sugar Tits, yeah. <laughs> um, and then... Um, and he was mostly tight. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, then, anyway, so but then when Viking landed... You put this, you put this meteorite in an oven and you yeah, crack yeah. it Yeah, so you, you look at the trap gases. How do you, you have a vacuum chamber and you have some stainless steel sure, rock sure. cracker openers? Yeah, you guys want to science the shit out of this yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I mean... Has that phrase, like, echoed around NASA's offices since it was in the movie? Like, are you tempted to say it daily? No, I try not to. <laughs> but it's what you're doing. <laughs> but they don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's ALH uh, 0080... 84 ALH, is yeah. ALH is a, a famous one. Yeah. There's Murchison. 
Murchison is a different one. But you know, when you look at the gas on ALH and the Allen Hills meteorite, and now we've uh, measured the gases to a high percentage on Mars, they're identical. And that's what really was the clue that said these are from Mars. Now, uh, Murchison uh, was another meteorite, came down in the um, you know, 1970s sometime, maybe 77, 79. And it is a completely different type of meteorite. It's a what we call carbonaceous chondrites in another pile. It's also a small, small number of piles. And this meteorite's got amino acids. This meteorite is really one of the primitive ones. That amino acids, like The building blocks of life? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, double, a bunch of Carbon them double bond, oxygen double bond, some stuff, hang on. Uh, and so the, meteor, the amino acid is a, like a, mo a complicated molecule and it survived going through the Earth's atmosphere and yeah. smashing into yeah. something. Right, and, and so what we believe is happening here is these amino acids, these basic building blocks of life, are part of uh, our collapsing cloud that created our solar system. And then they are running around seeding all our planets over time. So Mars- Is there a plan with that? No. Uh, uh, well, there might be a grand plan. Yeah. We haven't uncovered so it. So they, uh, they hit all these- Yeah, the Earth, planets. you know, and um, uh, so these are really a particular uh, of interest to us to get, to get more, more information about them. So we're launching a mission to one right now, a really big one. It's called Bennu. The meteorite. Asteroid. Yeah. You didn't hold the contest to name that, huh? Yeah, we did. We did. Sure. The and the site. winner was Banu. Yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> All right, you didn't hold a very extensive contest. Well, it's an ancient, an ancient it's god. You got the got the name. Uh, the name mm -hmm. uh, came from an ancient god, and uh, it's a big um, asteroid. We're going to try to learn more about the primordial solar system so that we can. Yep answer these deep questions. And that mission is called from? Osiris Rex that we're going to launch in September to go to Bennu. Mm -hmm. How hard could it be? <laughs> I, I, my, my, uh, just my one little story about ALH 84001. I got to go to NASA. It's one of the perks of writing a book. That they, um, I got to go to NASA for a bunch of tours and they brought me to the Did media. they know you were there? Did, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, it was no, just on the keeping a tour. step ahead of security the whole time. It was yeah. Just, yeah. And, and they gave me a tour of the meteorite lab, and um, the, the guy... Where was this? In, in, uh, at, at Johnson Space Center. Yeah, yeah they, they, yeah, they curate Texas. all our meteorites. In yeah. Texas. Yeah. 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 And um, the guy was showing me various meteorites, and, and he's like, and now this one, and I... I could tell, I knew it from the shape. I, I was like, oh, that's ALH 84001. He's like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, I felt a little Does proud Does he hold it? Does, or is no, it, it's in a bag. It's a, it's a, it, it, well, nice first look. off, it's a clean room. Mm -hmm. So you're all dressed up in the bunny suits. And then, he, and then additionally, that, that sample Talk about is in a sealed something. bag. Yeah. But uh, the, other, the other silly thing I'll say is that my... You know, once I started making uh, pretty good money off of the book, my, my, my stupid pointless impulse purchase was I bought a Martian meteorite. I, I own one. It's uh, at home. It's about, it's about 33 grams. It's a, it's a little sample. Yeah, but you didn't buy it from NASA. You got it no, off no, no. of <laughs> This is legal. Things that just fall to the ground from space are belong to whoever picks them up first. And <laughs> no, there's yes, rock hounds. this is real. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a guy called the Meteorite Man. The me Meteorite Hunter yeah, is actually the guy. Yeah. Contact him. So, so so good, great places to find them because they do look like normal rocks in many ways, you know, like the Sahara Desert. So there's a lot of uh, Bedouin tribes that, uh, that will go out and find meteorites and bring them in and, and, and sell them. How do they know that they're, how do the Bedouins prove that they're meteorites? Well, you Chemical see there's analysis. sand, and then there's a rock sitting on top of it. <laughs> and there's no way that rock would be from Earth. That would be idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have... They look different. My bad. <laughs> well, they look different, and you know. Well, sure. I don't know how the Bedouins. I don't know how the Bedouins tell them apart, but then the scientists analyze it and the makeup, and they can tell whether or not it's from the asteroid field, the moon, the Mars, whatever right. else. Hey, and so my, Mars, my little rock comes with all the paperwork to prove. And how much was this? <laughs> Is that rude? What was it like? $5,000 or like Oh, yeah. it was a more than more. that. <laughs> 33 grams is more than 5k? Yeah, it was about 10,000 bucks and I paid for it. Andy's doing all right, ladies. I'm just saying. <laughs>
<laughs> so I acknowledge, but you know, it's a silly purchase. But man, no, it's, it's so, so cool. Not the couple who wrote the marches. <laughs> no, I think it's pretty cool, man. No, everybody who comes over to my house, I'm like, see that rock? That's from Mars. No, really. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back. I'm Bill Nye, uh, hosting this week. Up here on stage, we have Andy Hare, who wrote The Martian, the book and the movie. Uh, we have Maven Higgins. Uh, who's now Maven's a spacecraft, you're working on that. Speaking of which, Jim Green, director of planetary science at NASA. Jim Curiosity and, uh, Green favorite, and Herman. MRO. <laughs> Maven, Maeve. Maeve. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, it's cool. I might change my name to Maven, totally. <laughs> well, keep us posted. Yeah. Uh, so, do you guys have... Here's what we at the planetary site, representing people in over 130 countries around the world. We want to know what's the specific... We have some milestones, some yeah, we do. markers. We do. Yeah. For yeah, example... So, well, we're, we're doing a number of things in the near-Earth area using space station. Uh, this includes, you know, growing some food on, on Figuring out how to grow yeah. food. In hydroponics, we use, a, we use a, a, a water solution with a little soil around the seeds. What about air, seeds. oxygen? Uh, we have uh, a variety of processes already in place on space station to scrub out the carbon dioxide. But, as I mentioned, Mars 2020 will have its own experiment to bring in carbon dioxide from Mars's atmosphere and split out the oxygen and then store it and from that we can use it for a whole variety of purposes it's basically it's it's uh, the real life version of the what was at the time fictional the oxygenator the, the from oxygen, martian yeah and it's uh, it's called moxie right it's called moxie yeah that's right because it's an acronym mars oxygen exchange isru and also is isn't, ISRU. It like, isn't it like she's oh, got so, moxie. so it's an acronym so an with acronym. an acronym yeah, yeah. Of hey, you need right. moxie. i want to invent this scuba radar oh you think <laughs> you're going to go to mars and make oxygen well that would take a lot of moxie that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Now you got it. That's, that's where they she come got from. It. I'm, 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 oh, I'm you're helping her. Yeah. Okay. So that's very important. Also on 2020 is we have a, a ground penetrating radar. You know, and so for you know, how far does it penetrate? It'll go down 30, 40 meters. 
and I want to be looking for the strata, but also potentially looking for aquifers. For water furs. Yeah, water furs, aquifers, as we, as we call them here. No, I like aquifer. Uh, yeah, no, I'll do. go with NASA. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's wise. So yeah. look, with that said, are we going to send a mission after that to really go look for signs of life, like serious biz? Well, we're talking about that right now and what that would look like. You know, um, life is um, kind of hard to do if you're making measurements to, to go there. And the reason why is our astrobiologists have defined life this way. It has three basic attributes. It uh, metabolizes, brings in material, and that's where you need the solvent, you need the water uh, to uh, uh, extract uh, food out of it and uh, dump the waste. And then... Exchange material. Exchange material. So an astrobiologist is a biologist of the stars out there. No, no, that'd be an astronomer or an astrophysicist. Uh, no, the we're talking about you biological. You astrobiology around like a, just, yeah, astrobiologist. Exobiologist, maybe? Well, the astrobiologist, astrobiologist yeah. is another one. But so, so you, you, you want to metabolize. You want to uh, uh, reproduce. But you also, life evolves. And so it's hard to build an experiment to go do that. But life has a whole variety of other attributes. No. Like, it, like uh, dancing? It does. Like if you found like a cat dancing, you'd be like, that's a lie. Well, that's a lie. Let me put it. Yeah. Let me if put it, it reproduced. Way. Jim, let a me put A cat having sex and dancing, yeah. sorry. Look, let's say, hold a second. Uh, let's say you found a weeping crater. Yeah. And it's got water. Yeah. And you got a rover that's got enough power to drive over to the weeping crater wall. Can we just, just for nothing else, can we have a microscope big enough, uh, powerful yeah. enough to oh, see a microscope? Oh, we would scoop up the material and bring it in and, and look at it and tear it apart, look for cells, look for uh, uh, this composition. Can we just plan to do that? You know, as you, you I know like it would to be, say, you, you know, some of my better. best friends are geologists, you know, and I like rocks. But I want to go up there like we're really going to look for life. Like well, we are discussing core. the next generation experiments that would go do that. How, how, how's and this for a scenario? How, how, wouldn't it be cool if there was one of those RSLs, which is what... RSL rec is a recurring slope linear, which is what he's been calling weeping craters. Weeping craters <laughs> um, real. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if there was one of those within a reasonable range of curiosity right now? And Curiosity's been sitting on the surface and, and, and its little drill bit has been hit by ultraviolet light for three and, years. And, three and wouldn't it be cool if we had this entire Mars science laboratory, if you will, uh, we sitting could just on drive the surface and we could just drive over there and look at it. Oh, man, that would be awesome if that were only true. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't because... Well, we do. <laughs> no, we no. But we don't want to contaminate. Because it's too... Because yeah, yeah. it will so, infect the... So what, 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 what we found by our uh, orbiting satellites is there may be some weeping going on in Mount Sharp, and we haven't studied that enough to really determine if that's water or that's material sliding down the hill. But if it's water... You can't, you can't tell the difference from uh, orbit. From orbit, cameras. yeah. We have uh, other work... Uh, other, is it other a dust slide or a water right. slide? Yeah. Right, and they're not very long. They're not as long as some of the others that we've seen. But, it, but indeed, if... Um, well, it's not very long. This far or... Oh no! Well, well beyond the with the, the length of this uh, auditorium. Uh, so the weeping craters that it, we see, though, are several football fields long. I mean, they're enormous. Come right down the side of the. But craters. we don't have a rover near them. No, we don't. But uh, we do on Mount Sharp, and if there if there's RSLs there, the weeping weeping material, we want to go over there. You bet. We just don't know enough about them yet. All right. Do you so think we will in like uh, half a year? Well, uh, they are several kilometers away, and, and um, uh, we'll have to plan a route if we really decide to go over there. And it would, it would take probably at least a half a year or a year to get to them, probably. But we got time. We got a, we got a gizmo there. Yeah. Are you in favor of it going there, or if you there, can't if, answer? If that's water and it's flowing on the surface and it's that close, absolutely. Yeah! Whoa! Absolutely. Whoa, took a chance. Take that. All right. <laughs> and is there a chance that there's something that, you'll be, that you won't even need a microscope, that there'd be life that you could see like with a camera? Like waving at you. Well, Very unlikely. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. Not even, like a bug, like a ladybug that's like, like a no. ladybug. 
<laughs> now you'd be looking at four complex carbon compounds that you know yeah. are down in the water that that are telltale signs. But there would be life. nothing living in the water that would be obvious to an. Well, it's not like there's going to be like a we fish. Have absolutely no idea. Not a fish, a ladybug <laughs> that lives in the water and swims like a fish. <laughs> you know. So uh, there's people who want to go to Mars one way. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not our plan, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean NASA's plan. That's not NASA's. I could understand when I watched the movie. I couldn't. I was like, he had such great solitude up there. (laughs) I live in New York, and I was like, oh, the space, (laughs) time. Yeah, you had the whole planet. Yeah, I could understand, and it's a different thing that you're talking about. But I could understand why you'd want to go to Mars and die there. That would be incredible. Well, he had disco music, and you'd have to love that. (laughs) I think you'd notice it right away, though. You can't eat very easily you get water it's a really hard life yeah you can't breathe it's not like costa rica but it does (laughs) you have to live in a dome or no it's really all about you know you're spending as much as your time surviving i mean you have Mm -hmm. to uh, plan ahead you have to grow your food you have to you know make sure uh the the um, solar panels that are receiving light that you need the energy for are all dusted off all the stuff that you know, it was done in the book and in the movie. Uh, that's a, you know, sometimes. How, how many so people here want to go to Mars one way? One way. Wow, look Whoa. at that. Are people raising Whoa. hands? <laughs> we can't see. I guess, how yeah, many people want to go to Mars? we got to come back. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was funny when you that. asked that question and like one wife put up her hand and her husband sitting right beside her like, what? <laughs> you want to go to Mars and not come back? <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't buy into the. Um, so there was a thing where they they had the, the sign ups for you know like oh you can be in a one way mission mm. to Mars and like they had like a hundred thousand people sign up and I'm like yeah By it's the way, pretty easy to fill out a web form but, but when you were actually on the rocket you'd be like wait a minute. By the way, yeah. uh, uh, I just got a message. Neil's watching you. Neil's He's watching making me. Making sure you get the science right. He's watching Neil me. DeGrasse making Tyson's sure I got the. Keeping an eye on you. Okay. So watch all right. I'm, this is for you, Neil. Um, well, he he took me to task last time. I wore these because I knew he would eventually see this. He, he my, my last pair of pants at the Planetary Society event were had like some loose threads on the bottom, and he. Well, like, you're a software engineer. Yeah. Right. And you're and, spending all your money on took, on rocks. Yeah, and rocks. <laughs> You get a pair of pants. (laughs) Okay, so that's one. Well, he took Uh, you to task. He took me to task because of my my frayed pants, and he's like, and he's like, your mother let you go out in the. (laughs) (laughs) So Neil, I've got good pants. Good tip. So with that said, uh, you guys, we are we're coming to a close. And I just think it's important just to want to mention, I cannot help but mention uh, the recent death of David Bowie. I mean, the guy was a visionary. He talked about life on Mars. He talked about life in space. Uh, Chris Hadfield, the Canadian astronaut, had a multi-million dollar view of his recreation of uh, Commander Tom. There was Major, uh, Major, Major Tom. Tom. Uh, Major, gee whiz, Bill. Major Tom. <laughs> Major he's probably a commander by now. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Better, <laughs> better. He's be. still up there. Killer star, born in a UFO. I mean, he had a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so, just to just to wrap it up, how do people feel uh, about sending people to Mars? Andy, just give just real quick. Uh, I definitely think that in the long term, uh, we do need to send people to Mars because I want us to be a two-planet uh, species, which means. Um, a catastrophe on Earth, whether it be war, disease, asteroid strike, doesn't eliminate our species. But in terms of scientific discovery, I mean, I hate to go against what most of the people here would want. If all you're doing is trying to discover things scientifically, I don't see a reason to send humans yet. The reason I want to send humans to Mars is to colonize it. Wow. So you are a computer programmer and Mm -hmm. you back up your software. Yes. Yeah, sorry. This is... No, that's the thing I say. So, Jim, why do you want to send people to Mars? 25 years of being a computer programmer has taught me the value of backing up things. Yeah, and right. you're afraid to fly, by the way, right? I am, yep. yeah. I'm getting better, though. Good. 
<laughs> Jim, why do you want to send people to Mars? Well, I think it, you know, as explorers, as Americans, this is what we do. You know, you think about uh, America and how it it, it, it was uh, created over time with, with people coming in that wanted to explore this nation, that wanted to do the pioneering. It's in our genes. There's a lot of people out there that, oh, we can't leave the earth. Well, it must not be in their genes. They stayed home. We're the ones that have colonized America. We're the ones that keep exploring. We are the nation that has been first to every one of our planets and a couple of our dwarf planets, and we're still exploring. This well, is what we do, I mean, like the, and it's the critical. The Soviets I think. got to Venus first. Now, okay, we flew by. Okay, okay, so I'm just saying. Hold on. I'm just saying. Well, well, just we let me say that first. space exploration brings out the best in us, no matter where we're from. I'm serious. Exploring the cosmos tells us more about answering these two deep questions: Where did we come from? And are, are we, we alone, alone in the universe? And if you right. want to know the answers to that, you have to explore space. And furthermore, whenever we go out there, we solve problems that have never been solved before. And this is worthy of our intellect and treasure. This is what makes humankind a, a worthy species on this yeah. remarkable planet in the cosmos. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Star Talk. So now, everybody, it's time for the questions and answers from you. So uh, there are microphones up here. We do not, we do not have two turntables. <laughs> We've only got a few minutes. Uh, so if you are going to ask a question, just make it crisp, crisp. And please um, make it a question. And our hope is, our hope uh, is that it would be about Mars. It would be about the Martian. It would be about so on. Mm -hmm. So is this the first question right here? Go for it. Yes. Okay, so we, we, we've talked throughout the program about you've discovered water on Mars. If we were to somehow be able to transport the water that we found on Mars to Earth and say you were to make a glass of it, I don't know why, but say you were, what differences from that and Earth water would be apparent if, say, you just had it in your house? and Well, if it's really water, there would be no difference. Well, would there be a different number of neutrons? Would there be the, something? No. It's it, the impurities in it. it yeah, it's the, the, the salts impurities. that are keeping it so liquid anyway, on the surface. So anyway, what these guys, geologists, are the worship words for these guys, are gals, is uh, sample return. Mm -hmm. So that everybody who's into it, you meet certain geologists, they believe that if you had a sample of Mars, you could tell who was president of Mars three billion years ago, because there's so much information in a rock. So along that line, maybe not bringing back water, but bringing back rocks, I hope you, as a taxpayer and voter, will support this. That's a cool question. He's probably neither of those things yet. He's a yet. child. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> someday, yeah. No, it's coming. You can count on the tax thing, especially. Okay. Uh, who, who, who's next? Is it all down here? Here we go. In the middle. Wait, you go. wait, wait, wait. wait. He wait a he's pin. got a, a NASA pin. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Cool. For you, cool. It's the real deal from yep, the real sorry. man. Cool. Next question. So, not to knock NASA, but government is notoriously <laughs> inefficient. Mm -hmm. And nowadays we've got the private space race heating up. And Elon Musk with SpaceX has said that he wants to send human beings to Mars by, what is it, 2027? Next week. Yeah. Uh, Next yeah. week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that he's going to beat you guys there? And if so, why or why not? So, I don't believe it's a race. And we want to help Elon any way we can. Okay? Yeah. So, he, he's got some ideas, uh, he's got different approaches, uh, and that's wonderful. We want to see if they work. We want to be able to help him in terms of where he wants to go. We want to give him the information he needs to determine how to do it. I just want to jump in as well. Um, no, SpaceX is not going to put humans on Mars in the 2020s. Just accept that. Um, also, um, I, I do believe that uh, the first manned mission to Mars is my, my belief is it's going to be a large international effort, more organizationally similar to ISS than to the Apollo program. And 
um, those commercial space companies like SpaceX and, uh, and their competitors are going to be what NASA and the other government agencies hire to put things into orbit. So what I think the ideal situation is NASA makes the ships that go to Mars and makes the stuff that lands on Mars and trains the astronauts that go and probably even they're going to want to make the launch vehicle that puts the astronauts themselves up. But the just raw freight transport of mass up into orbit will be done by these companies. So I think it'll be just everybody working on it. Yeah, it's a team effort. Andy's yeah. right. And if it'll we do this internationally, it will lower yep. the cost to everybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to the great question. Next. Here we go. I mean, what about Elon nuking the pole? So, hang we're going to take people who've gotten in line and everything. So, go ahead. <laughs> Can I call you Bill? Uh, I guess. Thanks. Yeah. Who are you, talk Thanks, who are you talking uh, to? <laughs> quickly, I just want to say for everyone here, thank you for helping us, like, inspire us and articulate wonder. I love you, man. Oh. Thank you. I love you, man. Um, so, I'm pretty young, and you help me, like, feel wonder but as I get older we also realize that like life is full of infinite possibility but it's also full of risk planetary exploration um, writing comedy it's all full of in incredible possibility but incredible risk what would you say to all the young people here who are realizing that you have to mitigate risk but also possibility like like does that like for young people what words of encouragement would you give in terms of oh when you discover something there might be risk well just keep in mind in general not entirely, but in general, you don't regret what you do. You regret what you don't do. And to accomplish anything, you have to assess the risk, the chances of success. Uh, so uh, this gets into something my parents talked about quite a bit, common sense. Mm -hmm. And they always said, common sense is not that common. <laughs> what you want is this mix of fear and uh, uh, a belief that you can accomplish something. So in general, I would say go for it. You'll surprise yourself. You'll get more done than you think. That's what I would say. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Jim's handing out the pin. Yes, yes ma'am. Um, yes, hello. So I was wondering, besides things that are already plentiful on Earth, like water, is there anything that would be super valuable to us on Mars? Oh, good question. To live and work, you know, the methane, <laughs> in addition to the water, the methane, because we could heat our halves. Oh, but are you talking about bringing stuff back? Like mineral, minerals well, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, like, like, do you see a potential for commercial mining like in a hundred years or something? Like, this, is there something on Mars that we would want here that we don't already have tons of? Uh, you know, that's thinking out of the box, and I never really thought about it. I'm just uh, trying to get my, there. <laughs> my guess would be no, because just simply transporting things from Mars to Earth would make it better just to get it from Earth. But, or, but so if there's some kind of what, jewelry. What Mars... <laughs> exactly. Right? What, no, see, what Mars has right now that we lack is an enormous amount of knowledge about the formation of our solar system and the possible formation of life. So that's, that's the real asset Mars has for us right now. So you, the word you used was commercial, but if you had said scientifically, that's samples. That's, oh, yeah. that's, those are a variety of uh, rock samples, soil samples, um, uh, everything that we can bring back <laughs> and study here on Earth far better than we can with our robotic missions. If or, you bring back a rock this big, I can sell it for 10,000 yeah, bucks. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you can buy it. You got to buy her. You know people willing to buy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's get to the next question. Thank you. There you go. Good question. You're welcome. God, Jim, you're fabulous, man, with the pins. Yes. Yeah. It is not... Go close to the microphone. It is not really well known that uh, permafrost in the Arctic is melting very quickly. And it is not or it is known? It is not very well known. By oh, I see. Not the People don't realize it. People don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, well, we should tell you know. them. Yeah, right. Well, hi. Uh, so it is not really well known that that's uh, a really... Uh, problem right now in the art in the polls and so I'm asking if you can please prove me wrong that we uh, that that's a runaway greenhouse gas effect is not oh you mean the class rate gun we love the methane gun the methane gun yeah so everybody that there's methane stored in the ice in the permafrost and maybe in um, continental shelves and as the world gets a little bit warmer this these will be released It'll be a huge amount of methane put in the atmosphere and the world, the earth will get warmer catastrophically quickly. That's if you like happened. to worry about things, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worry about it every day, man. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing, you guys. 
you can say what you will, but we have people running for president of the world's most influential government who right now at this point in the election cycle claim they don't believe in climate change. You guys, uh, yeah, okay, just keep in mind that you have a chance to vote. And whatever you want to yeah. do, I'm not supporting a candidate. I'm not supporting a candidate. I'm just saying I encourage everybody to take the environment into account. And here's why. We can compare Venus to Mars to the Earth. And we're doing that. And we're and doing very that. valuable. And what we have learned on these other two worlds is that this one is special. So when it comes time to vote, I strongly encourage you to take the environment into account. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. You know, San Francisco, the notoriously conservative city you are, please. <laughs> we, we are so lucky in our, to have in our solar system those other two terrestrial planets. Because what, what happened on Venus could happen here on Earth. What's happened on Mars could happen here on Earth. And it's a matter of how these planets evolve over time. They were all so very different. And we're just becoming aware of that. And, and that is so important for us to study and understand because it's going to affect our life in the long run. V Venus's atmosphere yep. is uh, almost entirely carbon dioxide and it's hotter than Mercury. Draw your own conclusions. Uh, which is much closer. Uh, so, uh, which is, yeah. Comparative planetology is something that Carl Sagan talked about all the time. Know your place in space. Yes, sir. Next question. Hey, guys. Thank you very much. Um, I know it's kind of early, but I was wondering what you guys thought about the uh, Planet Nine. Love Planet oh, Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Kooky for Planet Nine. Planet Nine. Well, first off, I think if you went back in time to like 1960 and said in 2015 there'll only be eight planets, they would think something very exciting was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is, uh, everybody, if you don't know, it's reasonable that there's an enormous body, a planetary body, out beyond the orbit of Pluto. Uh, th 10 times, 20 times farther from the sun than, than we are. No, 200. 200 that's what I was kidding. 200. <laughs> You're absolutely right. 200 times farther from the sun than we are, and this has gravitational influence out there, and it just shows you there's so much that we don't know right here in our own solar system. And that discovery was made in your lifetime, and that's yeah. pretty cool. Well, you know, if it's out there, we'll find it. Uh, we haven't found it yet. There's always the... That's that NASA confidence. Yeah, well... <laughs> If it's out there, we're going to find it. We're going to find it. How hard Absolutely. can it be? It's a whole freaking planet. I mean, what's yeah, wrong with yeah. you guys? How could we miss it? <laughs> yeah. So we have a huge telescope called James Webb Space Telescope, JWST. And what we'd like to do right now is narrow the search area uh, because, you know, uh, the, that, that whole region is huge out there. And James Webb has got such a beautiful mirror and, and it, right in the infrared, right at, a, it's right be at the wavelengths that it'll see it. And we just want to point there and find it and see the disk and understand it and look at it and, and really try to figure out how it got there. Because it didn't form there. It had to have formed inside this group of planets we have. Do, 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 do. I have been informed. This, this next one's the last question. I'm yeah. sorry, you guys. Striped sweater, man. Bring it on. This is it. Okay, so... Closer to the microphone. Let them hear you outside. Blow the roof off the dump. So, <laughs> I was thinking, um, after humanity uh, colonizes Mars... The way we will. Yeah. yeah. Um, where are we going to go next as a species? Where would you like to go? Europa, maybe? Europa. The solar system is ours. Let's oh, man, take it's it. A piece of cake. Come on. <laughs> anyway, Europa has twice as much seawater as the Earth. Are there Europanian fish people swimming around out there? And if we discovered them, it would change the course of human history. And I want to do it in my lifetime. Yeah. Oh, so I do support too. the work of so space exploration. And let's change the world. Thank you all very much for coming. Give it up again for Andy, May, Eugene, and Jim. Thank you all Thank you. so much. And Bill. Thank you. We'll be, and I'm Bill Nye. We'll be signing books in the lobby in just a few minutes. Thank you all for coming.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.